Let us pray. Howbeit I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life, for David my servant's sake, whom I chose, because he kept my commandments and my statutes. 1 Kings 11.34 Lord, through the life of Solomon and the listening of 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, I now know the value of wise and honest counsel. Therefore, I pray that there is never a moment in my life that I am ever without wise and God-fearing counsel. When others around me seek to give advice that is contrary to your wisdom and your ways, place people like Jeroboam in my life to remind me to honor what you've entrusted me with and to deal kindly with everyone I come in contact with. From this truth, I know your hand will stay upon me and guide me as you continue to expand and enlarge the tent pegs of my life and ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with us today. Continue your time with God by listening to today's Bible story. Brought to you by BibleInAYear.com Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The Kingdom of Israel Splits In our last story, we beheld the vast wisdom of the philosopher King Solomon. Kings and queens of old would seek him out and travel long distances to glean from his wisdom. Solomon led with great kindness and pursued peace with other nations. However, Solomon had a weakness for women. He amassed a harem of hundreds of wives and concubines from other nations. He immersed himself in lewd cultures and sexual deviance. Eventually, he began to worship foreign gods. Therefore, his kingdom was promised by God to be split. Solomon died and left his kingdom to his son, Rehoboam. Now we peer more into the inner workings of rebellion during Solomon's reign and witness the heart of Rehoboam. His pride and unwillingness to heed the advice of his elders may end up being his downfall. Inspired by the book of First Kings. Hello, I'm Jack Graham with today's episode of The Bible in a Year. In yesterday's episode, we heard about Solomon's fall from God. Though he was wise and wealthy, 
his heart sought his own desires. He disobeyed God and married foreign women, hundreds of them. And with each new wife, he would give a bit of his heart to a false god. His life, though filled with such promise, ended up in strife and sorrow. But God's grace was with him, and in the end, he turned back to the Lord and praised the God of his Father, the one true God. Today, we'll hear how dissension was already brewing before Solomon's death, and how his son, Rehoboam, his successor, would face the consequences of Solomon's sins and his own prideful spirit. Let's listen now to today's scripture. The trees shifted slightly from the breeze. Crickets chirped, and the subtle sound of babbling brooks could be heard among the forest. In the darkness, a faint chanting could be heard from the distance. Deep among the trees, Solomon stood in the Mount of Olives, where his father would once go to pray and sing before the Lord. His face was illuminated by candles and incense. There, in the coolness of evening, Solomon worshipped the Moabite god Shemash. Shemash was known as the Destroyer. He was said to be a god that craved blood. The Moabites would often make human sacrifices to Shemash to appease him. There, bowing before a massive black stone altar, Solomon worshipped the Destroyer. His kind heart was being tainted by the evil that lurked behind the altar. He sat among a darkness that would not relent in its desire to destroy Solomon's soul. Solomon's idolatry was well known by his officials. They watched as he left in the middle of the night. They witnessed his lust for foreign women. They saw his insatiable hunger for exotic sex and idol worship. Jeroboam, son of Nebat, watched as Solomon came to and fro from the black stone altar. His bones shook at the thought of Israel's king worshipping a god that required human blood. Jeroboam was the son of a widow and knew the hardships some had experienced in Israel. It pained him to watch the king shirk his faithfulness for the sake of simple pleasures and dark arts. One day Solomon was overseeing a rebuilding project of Israel's walls. He took many of his men to aid in the repairs. Together in the hot sun, Solomon and his men began to reinforce the walls, building better beams and support systems to keep it upright. Solomon saw Rehoboam work. He was a capable young man, strong and a good leader among the rest of his men. Solomon decided to put him in charge of the labor force from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. Jeroboam accepted the task reluctantly, still leery of the king. Jeroboam departed from Jerusalem to begin his work. He passed some of the farmlands on the outskirts of the city. The fields were lush and ripe for harvesting, and the air smelled of wheat and barley. Along the way, the prophet Ahijah stopped him in the middle of the field. Ahijah was wearing a brand new cloak that waved gracefully in the breeze. Jeroboam watched as Ahijah removed his new cloak and tore it into ten pieces. He watched curiously as the prophet ripped the robe. He handed the ten pieces to Jeroboam and said, Take these pieces of my cloak, for the Lord is about to tear the kingdom apart because of Solomon's idolatry. Ten tribes of Israel will be given to you, Jeroboam. However, he will leave one tribe to Solomon and his descendants because of his loyalty to King David. You shall rule over all that your heart desires. Listen to the ways of the Lord, and your dynasty will be established." Jeroboam held the torn pieces in his hands, and from that day forward, he began the secret workings of a rebellion. 
When Solomon caught wind of Jeroboam's favor, he sent men to kill him. However, Jeroboam fled to King Shishak of Egypt and stayed there for a long while. The days of Solomon came to a close, and it was time for his son, Rehoboam, to take the throne. All of Israel gathered to make him king. He was ushered in with parades and dancing. The news of Solomon's passing spread across the land, for Solomon was beloved among every surrounding nation. The news came to Jeroboam, who had found refuge in the land of Egypt for a few years. He had amassed wealth and influence in Egypt, yet left it to return to his people. He walked the city streets. While many kings would have seen a thriving and flourishing culture, Jeroboam saw laborers who were worked hard and taxed too much. His days living in Jerusalem with his widowed mother had made him compassionate towards the suffering and poor in Israel. Together, with a few of the elders in Israel, Jeroboam approached the new king. He stood before him and said, Your father was a hard master at times. If you lightened the load of labor and decreased taxes, the people will love you and thank you. They will be your loyal servants. Rehoboam stroked his young beard. A certain air of arrogance came off of him. It vexed Jeroboam. Rehoboam deepened his voice and waved his hand like a child pretending to be king. He held out his hands and said, Give me three days to think this over and come back for my answer. So Jeroboam and the elders left. Rehoboam gathered his father's advisors and asked for their advice. How shall I respond to their requests? he asked. The eldest counselor of the group looked among the men. They all seemed to be in agreement that Rehoboam should lighten the load for the people. He bowed before the king and said, If you would become a servant to these people, they will serve you with loyalty and honor. Rehoboam did not like this answer. He had waited his whole life to become king. He enjoyed the lavish lifestyle of his father's riches. He enjoyed the fine wines, the gardens, the women, and the expensive robes. The last thing Rehoboam wanted was to serve anybody. Instead of heeding their advice, Rehoboam gathered his young friends together. They drank, reveled, and pretended to speak of the kingdom's greatest needs. What is your advice? he asked them. How shall I answer these elders and servants? The young men were filled with the same self-importance as their king. They responded just as expected. Here is how you handle the complainers of Israel. Say this to them. I have more power in my finger than my father did in his whole body. He lashed you with whips, but I shall lash you with scorpions. <laughs> Rehoboam laughed. The cackles of his friends filled the halls. Three days later, Jeroboam entered into the palace halls with the elders behind him. Jeroboam was tall, strong, and held his posture in a commanding demeanor. King Rehoboam took notice of this and was slightly threatened. Rehoboam shifted upright on his throne to seem taller. He raised his staff in the air and said, I have my answer. The whole crowd was silent. My father gave you heavy burdens, but I will make them even heavier. Jeroboam's fists clenched at the sound of his words. The king smiled and said, My father lashed you with whips, but I shall lash you with scorpions. His friends laughed behind him. Yet the elders and Jeroboam were unamused. Saying nothing, they left the halls. So the king was brutal to his people. His cruelty and taxation increased, and his heavy hands stirred up the people of Israel. 
An uproar began to ignite among the people. They shouted in the city streets, Down with the legacy of David! They refused to work any longer and returned to their homes in protest. Rehoboam was livid at their disobedience. He sent his enforcer, Aroniram, to restore order in the city streets. However, he was stoned to death as a message to the king. When Rehoboam heard of this, he hopped on his chariot and hid in the palace of Jerusalem. From that day forward, the northern tribes of Israel refused to be ruled by the descendants of David. The ten northern tribes of Israel gathered together in rejection of their king. They talked among themselves and decided that Jeroboam should be their new king. Jeroboam accepted their offer and ruled over every tribe except for Judah. When Rehoboam heard of this, he amassed a great army of 180,000 troops. He was ready to destroy all of Israel in vengeance. However, the Lord spoke to him sternly, saying, Do not attack your brothers, for this is my doing. So Rehoboam cowered in his palace and ruled over the vast nation of Judah. Once again, Israel was a split kingdom. There were no perfect kings. The entirety of Israel pointed to the faithfulness of God to work in imperfect people. Solomon, for all his wisdom intact as a king, fell prey to the grips of sin. His sins trickled down into the heart of his son. God would not excuse this, nor would he abandon Israel altogether. Instead, God would weave Israel's goodness and evil into one tapestry ultimately pointing to his grace. Today we begin with Solomon, who is still alive. He has given himself over to his foreign wives and their false gods, and his wisdom and kindness seems a distant memory to many in the kingdom of Israel. We also meet a young Israelite leader by the name of Jeroboam. He was a dedicated and hard worker, but even as he served the king, Jeroboam witnessed the conflict in Israel and Solomon's harshness with Jewish workers. Solomon was impressed by Jeroboam and tasked him with overseeing laborers from the northern tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. Little did Solomon know that this began to set the stage for a divided kingdom. One day as he was working, Jeroboam encountered the prophet Ahijah, who delivered a dramatic message to Jeroboam. He tore his robe into 12 pieces to symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel and told Jeroboam that God was going to take 10 of the tribes away from Solomon's successor and give them to Jeroboam. With this promise came a warning. He was being given charge over a vast number of God's people, so he must follow the Lord and listen always to his counsel. I can only imagine the weight of all this news on Jeroboam. Surely he was both excited and fearful at the same time. Shortly after he received the news, however, Solomon got wind of this threat to his kingdom and tried to kill Jeroboam, who had no choice but to flee to Egypt and hide. After Solomon's death, when Rehoboam was king, Jeroboam felt it was safe to return, and for the sake of his people, that's what he did. His first order of business was to approach the new king and appeal to him for the people. They were being worked too hard and taxed too much. So Jeroboam asked the king to ease their burden. Rehoboam's initial response seems reasonable. He doesn't immediately deny the request or concede. He asks for time to consider it. Then he seeks counsel from the elders, and their response was a wise one. 
If he will serve the people, then they will reward him with service and loyalty of their own. It's the kind of response Solomon himself would have given in his younger years when he walked with the Lord. Tragically, Rehoboam wasn't seeking wise counsel. What he wanted was an answer he liked, one that stroked his ego. So in 1 Kings 12, verse 8, we read this, But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. So he asked his friends, his yes men, and they gave him the response he wanted. Show your power and don't back down, they said. In fact, turn the heat up. It's a response reminiscent of Pharaoh's answer to Moses, not of a gentle king who loves his people. But that's the answer he gave Jeroboam and the people when they returned. Rather than lighten their load, he would pile on more. His plan to gain power and respect by force backfired immediately. When the people saw that he didn't care for them, they dropped their tools and abandoned their work. Rehoboam, rather than acknowledge his mistake, tried once again to force the people to submit. He sent an enforcer to put the people back to work, but the Israelites stoned him to death in the streets. At the end of the day, Rehoboam was left with only two tribes to rule, while the ten tribes of the north made Jeroboam king. And so, just as God had told Solomon it would happen, the kingdom of Israel was split in two. Jeroboam would now have to remember Ahijah, the prophet's warning, to follow God's commandments and to seek him. How would he fare? We'll find out in tomorrow's reading. Dear God, we thank you always for your word, for it is light and life to us. Thank you for the lesson that we learned today that it is always right and best to seek wise counsel rather than foolish counsel. Help us always to listen to those who give us godly counsel wise men and women who seek you and your ways. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's Bible in a Year podcast. I'm Jack Graham from Dallas, Texas. Download the Pray.com app and make prayer and Bible study a priority in your life. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with someone you love, share it with a friend, pass it on because this podcast can make a huge difference in people's lives. I'm hearing wonderful stories of the impact of God's Word as a result of listening to Bible in a Year. And if you want more biblical resources, resources from God's Word that will enable you and assist you in your walk with God, then be sure to visit jackgraham.org. That's jackgraham.org. God bless you. This episode is sponsored by MediShare an innovative healthcare solution for Christians to save money without sacrificing quality. Welcome to the Pray News Podcast, where hope is our only bias. Each day, we'll unpack the most prominent stories happening in the news and offer a Christian perspective. We won't shy away from the hard topics, and we won't dilute the hopeful message of Christ. This is more than a daily brief on the news. It's a way to be informed and transformed. Listen to Pray News on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.